All right, how are you doing? How's things? It's got a fucking curtain behind me. Sorry. Don't mean to be swearing. I'm so... I just wind myself up so much. This room's a shithole. This room is a shithole. I feel like fucking Howard Hughes in here. Come in with the milk. Come in with the milk. He will take the milk in his left hand and pour it with his right. It's a shithole in here. It's a shithole in here and... Adjacent to that, there is a fruit fly epidemic. My wife, my wife, my wife scares me sometimes with her ability to catch a fruit fly. She's like a sensei. She's like the sort of person you go up to the top of a fucking hill to a dojo and she's got a long twiddly mustache. She's shocking with killing fruit flies. She can find them anywhere. But is she still... Even though she is genocidal in her destruction of fruit flies, it still isn't enough and they're everywhere, they're everywhere. And there's nothing worse than having a... Like, all I have... I might might have a plate in the sink for a minute, right? There's a plate in the sink in a minute because right now the dishwasher's full and I could be fucked to empty it right now. (laughs) So there's a plate in the sink and... Just 50 fruit flies there. And I'm like, we're living in squalor, Terry. We're living in squalor. But I'm talking specifically about my office here, which I haven't fully. We're getting, you know, I get a lot of slack in the house for being somewhat of a hoarder. Um, My wife likes to tell people over a charming dinner conversation that uh, when we met, she brought a whole, you know, range of Delph and I brought into the relationship 40 board games, of which now is what? It's four. And they're not even the good ones. I know I had to get rid of my Big Brother board game, which I tell you, if you want, if you want to see some serious shit, it's just, it's a, like a, it's like throwing a banger in a letterbox of a game for your friends. The Big Brother game. You have to vote based on your friends' actual bad habits, how you'd vote them out of the house. They say, I might ask a question. It might be like eight years around the table. You have a number. You all have a secret number. Well, it's not secret. You have a number between one and eight. So you could be housemate six or whatever. And they'd be like, who out of all the housemates is the dirtiest? And everyone has to put in a vote. So I put in a load of sixes for you. Right, you stinky fucker. Right. I put in loads of sixes. And then who out of your housemates wouldn't pay you back if they borrowed money? You know, and then sometimes you, you you might look at it at the end and he's just nothing but sixes. And you're like, so I'm a stinky, stingy Robin bastard is what you're saying to me right now. You know, and you're like, look, and you're everyone's being really quiet, pretending to be asleep, you know, not trying not to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, shit. and then the two people who are up for a nomination, you'll say, all right, who of your friends would, you know, drive you to the airport? Which of your best friends would actually show up? If you were in hospital out of these two, you know, and then again, you might have a resounding vote for the other person. And you're like, so I am a smelly piece of shit who doesn't pay back his loans, is so up his own fucking hole, doesn't visit his friends in the hospital and be you be no chance of getting a lift off me for the airport. You know, and you have to sit there and watch the rest of the game while everyone else is having fun. It is cutthroat. So I don't have that anymore. I also don't have my Star Trek Next Generation murder mystery party. And Terry's like, you don't even, because it came with a tape. I notice people listening to this getting as frustrated as I am that this is the life after. But anyway, the point I'm getting at here is um, the stuff that I still have that's remaining, 
you know, my two Guitar Hero guitars, one of which is broken. Uh, my g- broken uh, Gibson Les Paul knockoff uh, that doesn't work. Uh, my Lego Millennium Falcon. Um, you know, what else we got in here? We got uh, just a load of paper. Just paper. Uh, I got a thing off. I got sent for Just Eat for something I actually didn't do. I, I ended up not doing. It was a uniform to dress up in a Just Eat kit. And I uh, just conflict the thing. We I couldn't end up actually shooting this Just Eat ad. So I have a Just Eat uniform wrapped up in a bag. You know, uh, what else? I mean, there's loads of shit here. There's a, there's a, a keyboard that's broken. The Terry doesn't know is broken. There's two. There's a bass. There's a banjo. There's there's loads of shit. And it's and but now Terry gets to like be. Oh, well, it's fine. We'll just put it in your office. If it's any of this shit. And I'm like, yeah, fine. Put it in my office. And now I feel like it's gonna fall on top of me and i'm not and i'm not gonna be able to breathe i'm gonna be eaten by the cats we don't have a cat we don't have a cat but if we did this, these cats they'd be i'd be i'd be catnip um so you know so that with the fruit fly epidemic we've all I'm, i've been seeing on instagram stories people having similar issues with the fruit flies at the moment i think we need to get rid get rid violently i've seen these things you can buy on tiktok and uh, well i saw someone using it it's a thing that shoots Grains of salt, like a bullet, like a gun, kills fruit flies. You have to be very, very accurate. I am luckily very accurate. Um, you know, so I might get one of those salt guns. But I uh, also have a uh, Jerry Maguire poster from Ghana, <laughs> where the only way to advertise it to the Ghanaians was, um, well, it's probably not the only way, but the decision they made to advertise it to the Ghanaians was to make it look like, because Tom Cruise is an action star. So they had to make Jerry Maguire look like an action movie. So you got Tom Cruise in it shouting, show me the money, holding two guns on fire and Cuba Gooding Jr. running with his top off and someone's cut his arm off as well in the, in the, in the, in the poster. So, you know. And I'm adding, I'm, I'm just adding so much stress to myself. I'm adding so much stress to myself. I need to do nothing. I need to do nothing. I'm not even doing anything right now. <laughs> I don't even know who I'm talking to. I, I'm like I'm practically invisible. I would feel sometimes publicly. Yet I need to do much less. I need to be doing much less. You know, we had a bad run there. The young fellow. Oh, I'll tell you, we had a bad run. The young fellow just being so ill. And I don't. I don't mean like you know sick with rhymes. Yes, he is. And yes, he's an incredible lyricist and phenomenal performer uh, and a freestyler. But he, he was ill in the sense that he had every fucking everything. He had everything. I want to send him to crash in a fucking, sorry for swearing so much, Chernobyl hazmat suit. And be like, look, stick the Rice Krispies in the little hole for his mouth, right? And don't let him come in contact with any other child. But apparently it's good for him. Apparently, well, it's not good for anyone else other than him in the future, you know? There's a lot of shit I seem to be doing for him in the future that I have to suffer with right now. I'm not having to go. He's my pride and joy and I love him so much. I sometimes just stare at him sleeping on the video monitor that we have. But he's he just be getting sick. He just be getting sick of these runny nose fuckers in the in in the crash. And he had he had a vomiting bug, you know? And um and I was telling Terry it was probably the prawns that she gave him, right? Because I wanted her to make her, you know, scare her. Because um, <laughs> she gave me the prawns as well. She gave us both the dinner. And I was trying to make her feel like it was maybe the dinner, just to wind her up. But, I did, you know, 
it's a cruel little games you, you play on your partner <laughs> just to tick away the hours <laughs> you know you're just cruel you know you say something you're not cruel like yesterday I lied to Terry we were in the playground and um, my son just he found this green ball on the ground in the playground and this young fella ran up he's like my ball that's my you screamer that's my ball you know and my son didn't give it to him he was almost like, hey, bro, what's the, what's the crack, bro? Chill out, you know? It's like when you hear someone in a car and they're beeping behind you, being like, guess what you just did? You may as well have hit the, can the person in front of me go even slower button by hitting that beep? Because I am just out of spite. Going to be so slow and super chill. You are going to rue the day. And then I'm going to indicate out and I'm going to look like I'm overtaking even when I'm not. You should have never hit that button, bro. You should have never hit that Let's get Tony to be an absolute dick to you now, button, that you did, that you thought was a beep, but it wasn't. It was the button I previously said. So similarly, my son was like, hey, what's the, you know, you want this ball? You can see you're getting fairly wound up about it. You want this ball? This ball here I'm holding in my hand? But anyway, gave him the ball back. And the kid was freaked. And then the kid kept losing the ball, right? And he kept coming over to my son, looking for the ball. And I'm like, he doesn't have it this time. He doesn't have your ball. You put it down a pipe. I saw you. Go over to the pipe. And I was trying to, you know, you're trying to be nice to other kids. Go over to the pipe there. Hey, hey, dickhead. Hey, fuckface, get the ball where you put it in the pipe. Ha, 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 We're funny. We're laughing, you know. Um, but he kept looking for the ball. And then, coincidentally, it's just one of these, like, you know, like ball pit balls. It was a green ball. And then when we got back into the car, I found one of those balls because we got loads of them. And I found one in the car and it was the same green ball. And I gave it to my son. I was like, there you are. I stole that ball off that kid for you. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you, my son. And I kissed him on the head. And Terry was like, what the fuck? Are you fucking kidding me? You stole a ball off a child. And I'm like, this is it. Who knew I'd be teed up so magnificently? This will be a good 15 minutes. Now we'll get out of this. And I was like, yeah. Kid was being a dick. Kid was being a dick. So I I stole that. I'll serve that kid. He's probably still looking for it now. And she was like, are you... Like, she went like... Her face changed a different colour, being like, I'm married to a man who steals from children. <laughs> I'm married to a man who steals from kids for fun. You know? I'm in. I'm now in, a, a, I haven't seen the show, an episode of You. <laughs> About the stalker or something. I haven't seen it. I'm sure it's exactly like that. Uh, you know? I'm like, yeah. You know, because you just make, you got, and when she teed me up, though, to be like, did you actually steal the ball off the child? I'm like, this is, this is better than winning the lottery here. I'm now, I got a fun little game. This is going to be a solid 15 minutes driving back in the car. You being freaked. Because I know I have an out. Because of course I wouldn't steal the ball. You know. So I was like, yeah, little dweeb. Little moron. He should know now not for shake down my son. She didn't have, he didn't have the ball. Well, guess what? He did have the ball. I had the ball. I had the ball. And that kid's, you know, I went on or whatever. And she was just like, just in shock. <laughs> you know. And then I was like, no, it's our ball. And she didn't, you know. I didn't get the kind of like, ah, I think she was still a bit shook. <laughs> I think she was, you know, those, even though now the joke is over, it hadn't fully tapered off that I wasn't, uh, you know, a, a sick, sick individual. You know, just look, daddy's, daddy's just looking for a little bit of a rise out of you. It's a Sunday. It's Sunday. Daddy's just only having a little bit of a rise out of you. Anyway, let's get cracking. It's the Tony Cantwell Shit Show. Mm. It's the Tony Cantwell Shit Show. And I know, and I know, and I know, and I know. That 
lovely stuff there. Mm. Um, so guys, back to the office this week. Oh my god, I, I'd say, hey, I'd say there's going to be a lot of faux pas. Now we, hey guys, we've been all working from home. Um, uh, the last year and a half. Um, yeah, I'd say it's going to be some adjusting. Uh, going back to the office. Here are some examples that come to mind. Um, guys, uh, guess what? When you're getting dressed for work, yeah, you're going to have to actually dress the bottom half now as well, because it's not just a, a web screen that they're going to be looking at you on, hon. It's actually going to be your legs and your feet as well. So you got to be putting shoes on, as in one example. So you got to be going in your shoes. The second example that I have is, guys, when we finish a meeting, can we not wank? Can we please not wank? I know you've closed off your meeting and you've pulled down your um, your 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 laptop screen or changed to a different uh, tab. But can we please not wank? It only gets very. Uh, you, uh, we're meant to be stifling the spread of uh, of, of flu uh, fluids. Um, so don't wank as well as another example. And guys, I know you've been eating your lunches at home. So why now? Uh, do you think it's appropriate to be cooking anchovy curries <laughs> in the microwave? Guys, can we please stop cooking anchovy curries in the microwave? Please? Will you do that for daddy, huh? Because it smells and I know you're used to eating it at home, but guess what? We don't want to know what you were eating. Another example is, guys, can we please not just roll out of bed at five to nine? Because you're going to be late now, hon. Because you have. That's not a very good one. <laughs> that's not a good one. Um, what else? What else? Um, it's just going to take some getting used to, you know. It's just going to take some getting used to. And I, 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 unlike Mr. T, I'm not going to call you a fool. I'm going to say I pity the friend who has to now do a commute. Um, awful, awful carry on, you know. As much as sometimes I, I, I convince myself. Well, you know, I, I'm. I'm bloody grass as fucking, you know. I'm Mister fucking. Gra- I'm Mister Grass. You can call me the gardener because I'm all, I'm always talking about how the grass is greener. Um, you know, on the other, you know, you can call me the gardener. That some people do the constant gardener. They call me because I'm constantly saying the grass is always greener. Who isn't the constant gardener? That's a stupid name for a movie. Another name for a stupid movie is What Maisie Knew. I'm always obsessed with. Uh, I don't know who. I don't know what is it about. But it's like what Maisie knew. I think this is the worst title for a movie I've ever heard in my entire life. Ah, the Constant Gardener. Hey, you got you got this. Where you get? Where'd you get this guy? He's great. <laughs> no, but look, the Constant Gardener. I'm talking about. Um, what was I saying? Um, yeah, I some no. Sorry, the thing I'm saying is that the grass is greener. I I often convince myself. Oh, I'd actually love to be back in an office, and I'd love to be surrounded by you know people, and you know have. Have have chats and have people catching it because it's very lonely, you know, very lonely, um, but also extremely gratifying, uh, you know, career in being self-employed. Um, but then I think of like actually the whole thing of doing the whole commute thing, um, not being able to fuck around all, you know what I mean? Like it just it's not, you know, having to get up for anything at any time just does not doesn't it's not really in, it was never really in line with my ideals, and uh, it's not in line with my ideals right now. Um, but the best of luck and my commiserations for some of you who'd like to stay at home. Uh, hopefully, you can still do that in some capacity. Um, you know, they have to at least listen to your, your idea. Do you know what I mean? I knew someone who was in an agency. She went off to a bloody fucking yoga retreat. She's at a yoga retreat. 
as, as long as she checked in on, on, on you know, the webcam, I'm not saying there's wrong with that, but that's the caliber of working from working away people could do, you know. She was at a yoga retreat and making just checking in on some shitty Wi-Fi every so often just she could be there for the Zoom meetings, you know. So um, hopefully I think it'll have this boring shite <laughs> I'm chatting about here. No, I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about today. I was doing a panel show. I went on a, a show and I'm all full of panel shows. I'm all full of panel shows. I just don't know how to be like, hey, just say loud. Just say, you know, how do you how do you how do you jump in? How do you jump in? How do you jump in and say, hey, just let you know, I also have a story about Halloween. You know, I also don't know what the thing, what if I'm, I also, I also, I don't know if the thing that I'm going to say is going to be funny or not. And I don't want people looking at me and nodding along and waiting for something that's not going to be there. (laughs) Because I was on this show and it was on the show. Um, I was on Jason Burns, The Good Room, right? It's a show he's, he's put out online. And it's kind of childhood nostalgia kind of thing. And it was good. It was fun. And I thought, you know, it was all right, you know, and everyone was funny and I was all right. Um, But I think that about everything I do anyway. So I can't even trust. I can't trust myself as a critic. Myself, myself as a critic is like, you know, it's almost like if there was a review, a review of Batman and there was a review written by the Joker. You'd probably be like, this guy's, I feel like this guy's got a fairly biased (laughs) take on Batman. You know what I mean? Being like, he's a coward who refuses to kill even though we're destined to war forever. You know, like, all right, mate. Do you know what I mean? Tony, Gary, bro, you're all right. I've seen you writing the review. Good on you. You know, but I'm not going to read it this time because I kind of know what you're going to say. So I kind of need to be a bit more conscious of the fact that that's what my review is going to be every time anyway. Right. So it was all right. But anyway, it's a kind of nostalgia show talking. It's called The Good Room because back in the day, there used to be a thing called The Good Room. Now, it wouldn't be something from hey, our generation. Us hot Zoomers. Us hot Zoomers were lovely pink arseholes. Sorry, that doesn't ring a bell. Um, priests coming over for cucumber sandwiches. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm going to go. Uh, but it will be far removed from, from our generational thing. So it's more kind of to talk about um, nostalgia growing up in Ireland. And uh, Kevin McGarren was on it. Eleanor Tiernan was on it. Um, and they would have been kind of older, I think, older, or sorry, they would have been younger comedians compared to the previous seasons that would have been on. So this was kind of more 80s and 90s kind of n- nostalgia. Um, but yeah, I find just, how do you fucking, I just find, I find panel shows, just how do you, how do you get in there? Be like, I got, I got a funny story for you, you know? And they're very good at just knowing whether the thing they're going to say is funny or not. And I don't really, I don't have that skill. It's because I'm spoiled. I'm spoiled by having this um, this podcast where I kind of give the same amount of gusto to something that's mildly interesting, not interesting at all, and kind of a comedy bit. And it's the same, I treat it like the same. So I just, I'll say something, even if it's not, you know, Kevin is amazing for, for that. Kevin will always have something that's, that pulls, even if he has a meandering story that you think, it's run out of road and there's no punchline. He'll whip something out. He'll figure something out. Or he'll reference it to something else or do a callback. He's got great comedy chops for that. He knows exactly how to end on a laugh. Eleanor Tiernan's great. Eleanor Tiernan seems to have some sort of like QR scanner for all of her anecdotes that they go through. And it's like, boop, that's funny. Right, I'm going to say it. And it's always funny, you know. And Jason as well. Uh, he's just relentless, you know. And he's a very high success rate because of that. Um, so I, you know, I was there and I was like, and Jason was like, so what, you know, you were you ever outside? You know what I mean? And um, and I said, no, I was kind of like Shrek, you know. And, you know, then as soon as I realized there was girls out there, I bust out the door like somebody, 
you know, and that kind of got a laugh, me coming out like Shrek. Um, but then he was like, oh, and where did you, where, where did you play outside? And I was like, well, it's funny, right? And I was leading into this. We had this uh, big, we had this big swing, right, by a tree. And there was this, like, it must have been like 30 feet off the ground, a big rope swing, you know. And there are three of them just like looking at me and nodding. And I'm like, there's nothing, nothing, you know. There's nothing here, you know. <laughs> there's nothing here. There's nothing here. <laughs> there's nothing here. I have nothing. I have nothing to say here. And then they kind of like just realized I wasn't saying that anymore and kind of moved on. That happened a handful of times. Anyway, the reason I bring it up is one of my um, my agent. I know I have many agents, right? Um, I'm kind of like Charlie, you know, Charlie's Angels. You know, they're all here to become a voiceover agent, become a, become a social agent, you know, my, 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 my multiple live agents. And they're like, good morning, Tony. And I'm like, good morning, angels. That's what happens. They're Tony's angels. Um, so one of my agents, uh, <laughs> I know, John, my agent, um, among other agents, <laughs> no, John um, uh, sent me like a lot of prompts because he's Jason's agent as well. He's Jason's manager. And he um, he sent me a lot of prompts uh, to talk about on the show. Now, I didn't get around to half of them. And I thought, well, what's the fucking point <laughs> of me talking to even thinking about these things? I'll bring them up on the podcast. So that's that's what I'm going to do. Anyway, it was fun. It was fun. Although I think I, <laughs> I think I kind of ended on a very weird note, where basically Jason asked everyone at the end what they'd like to bring back from childhood, from you know, what thing that's gone, you know, would they love to bring back? And I said, um, I said Jockin. I'd love to see Jockin be brought back. <laughs> and he was like, "Why?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Kind of like it's kind of like a kind of societal leveler. Do you know what I mean? If someone was giving you like it's kind of like the it's kind of like the playground nuke, you know, and he's like, so you'd like to see kids pulling each other's trousers down again, and I'm like, I suppose that's technically what I've said, you know, and I don't I don't you know, it's not like if I had a magic lamp and that was the only wish I had, you know, I'd already spunked the two on fucking I don't know, um, uh, invisibility and the ability to to freeze time. And unfreeze time. Um, and then kids jocking each other. I, I wouldn't waste the third one on kids jocking each other, but it was kind of, a, yeah. But it was fun. It got me kind of thinking about things. Uh, not fun uh, thinking about kids getting jocked, but because uh, I don't even know if I fucking mean that. Do you know what I mean? I thought that would be funny. Um, although it is a kind of, you know, there is a kind of, there's a level, I mean, I've talked about this in the pod before. There's a level of, like, fl- you know, there's a bit of a puritanical vibe to penises, <laughs> you know, and I know there's better, <laughs> more worthier causes, but I kind of feel like penises are penises. You there was a there was a time in school where lads would just flash their penises at each other. They would draw things on their penises, and I know I'm not like desperate to see more penises, but like people would draw like mice faces on their, you know, on their droopy penises. You know, dolphin faces. Um, you know, they would draw watches on them and wrap their penises around their wrist. They would. And it was great. <laughs> it was really funny. And, of course, this was in an all-boys school. And, you know, for the most part, people weren't necessarily worried about these penises being viewed in anything else other than an extra bit of fucking Play-Doh you can make someone laugh with. You know what I mean? That was that was the full capacity. That was the only reason, though, you get your penis out and make someone laugh, you know? Um but it feels, you know, 
Yeah, and people streaking. There's a guy I know who went streaking uh, at an FAI match, a legal, uh, an, an Ireland qualifier, and he got put on a sex offenders register for streaking at a match, you know? He's on the same list as a paedophile because he ran out, he wanted to run in the nip. I mean, why do they do it? We know why they do it. It's a, it's like it's, a, it's an art, it's a tradition of running around and being, look how many people I can get to look at my arse and my balls and my dick, you know? And I feel like that was, that's, that's the kind of thing I'd like to get, bring back. Just that kind of, the, the laughter of a penis and a penis not to be viewed uh, so, as uh, such a hostile, um, you know, it's not for me to say, it's not for me. I mean, I'm not, a f- because I don't feel that way, you know, I'm bound out of this, <laughs> I'm bound out of this. Um, so that's the kind of weird kind of sour note that I left the, the whole thing on. They're like, okay, great. You'd like to see lads, you know, jocking them, jocking shit. Um, is this any, <laughs> my little dirt bird, I'm a little dirt bird. And so it was all about, anyway, you know, nostalgia. And, um, and there was a lot of prompts for things that I actually didn't talk on the show. One was they were asking, what was your first girlfriend or kiss like you know and um my first kiss i remember see this is i can only imagine what it's like now for kids right with you know how they migrate from online to in person and how they talk and how you know i mean even now back in the day you had a text and you'd wait for a text and you had loads of time for a text now with whatsapps and stuff like that with those two fucking ticks waiting for you to get back it's like you don't even have time online with an infinite amount of time to like comfortably feel like you have enough time to get an answer back you know um so but like i so i remember we were the first we were the first generation to have you know for kids to have mobiles you know we were the first kids to have mobile phones so we had like you know we were the first generation that could communicate in instant letters to each other you know and i took a lot of pride in my texts you know i wasn't this you know text speak you know you know, WB or, you know, must met again sometime. I was, I took pride. Mine were beautiful, you know, um, very well, grammatically perfect, you know, witty little, you know, I mean, they're shy probably, but you know what I mean? I, I, I remember just taking pride in them. So, um, so with this girl I met in speech and drama, she just broken up with her, with her fella and she, you know, she was texting me a bit more and she kind of made it, you know, made it clear, you know, made it clear that if we were to meet up, we might hold hands or maybe more. Okay. So, um, so it was like, okay, look, that's all I need. And I was like, I was, I was a text machine. Like I was drafting up fucking, it was like E.L. James up in this bitch. It was like Judy fucking Cooper, you know, or wherever it is, you know, Mills and Boone. I was like, I'm going to touch, hold your hand, baby. I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to kiss your neck. <laughs> I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to kiss your neck. Did I stammer? Well, I don't know how you, I, how I could because this is a text. So I was texting up a big game. And did I follow through on that big game? Oh, it's almost like, it's almost like there was no way of me catfishing, but it's almost like I catfished. Because when we met up, I was just, I was just, didn't I don't I don't think I said anything. I don't think I said anything. I think I walked around. I think I stared at my feet. And then we went into golden discs 
and I wanted to buy Sting and the Police's greatest hits. <laughs> and I only, and it was 15 euro, which is shocking now. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine paying that now? So it was 15 euro and I only had a fiver. So I asked her for a tenner to get Sting, Sting's greatest hits. And then, um, and then we went to the bus stop and, you know, and like I talked up this big game being like, girl, I am going to hold your hand. I am going to kiss your neck, you know? And then the bus came and I kind of said, all right, bye. And then she kissed me and then she kissed me. She kissed me just as I got on the bus. Just before I got on the bus, literally. I mean, if I, I couldn't be more of a last minute fucking last minute monkey. <laughs> I'm a cute little monkey now. I'm a little last minute monkey and she kissed me before I got on the bus, you know. And, um, you know, it was, you know, nothing against her, but it was the sort of kiss that, you know, uh, would, you know, it's a sort of kiss. It's a fairly rushed kiss, you know. And I tell you, I just found it. I just, found, I just, I still, I still think I'm a fucking frigid. I find unnecessary uh, <laughs> tongue action a little bit invasive, to be perfectly honest. And I'm very private in my own mouth. God forbid. God forbid there's only fucking one tongue in there. Now, the odd time, you know, not the odd time. Well, I suppose the odd time, certainly not every time. You know, of course, it scored a hold off my wife. Um, but, you know, back then I wasn't fucking, come on up in here, willy nilly, you know. And if someone just told me, and if someone just told these kids that you can have a lovely kiss. But I have gorgeous, luscious lips. I have gorgeous, luscious lips, right? So don't be fucking messing around with the tongue. Have a little party outside. It's like so. It's like climbing inside a bouncy castle. What's in there? Nothing but a load of air. Outside the bouncy castle. Give them a little bop. Give them a bounce. You know? And I don't think people know that you can kiss without using invasive tongues. You know? And uh, But we kissed and I lost my my virginity. You know? I think I was um, maybe 15. You know? I was just waiting for the right uh, girl to kiss me minutes before getting on a bus, you know. Um, but for years, I felt like I did something wrong. Do you know what I mean? It's mad you can just say you did something wrong. Like, I did that wrong. I'm wrong. There's something wrong, you know. Poor little kids, the way they think, you know. Poor little boys, you know. Poor little Connells, me and my little fucking Connell head on me, thinking I did something wrong, thinking I couldn't tell me friends, you know. Oh no! What if they? You know, where does this come from? Where does it come from? Even the most supportive group of friends, you just think you can't. You know, when you're a kid, that you can't just be honest or say something or be, you know, everything has to be kind of masqueraded. It either has to be funny, ironic, or you have to be silent about it. Do you know what I mean? So you know, it wasn't great for her, I'd say. You know, um, getting getting strong armed to spend fucking a tenner, <laughs> so I could buy Sting's greatest hits. Just for a fairly shy kiss at the end. Do you know what I mean? And also, like, the kind of power we had afterwards was just different. I got super weird, you know. Beforehand, I was like E.L. James, Fifty Shades author, you know. And then it was like as if E.L. James was <laughs> suffered brain damage and was forced contractually to finish another Fifty Shades book. That's the sort of text power that we had after that, you know. Um, But it's mad. It's mad how you just don't, you know. I just felt like, I felt, and I felt like, I felt guilty. I felt guilty over it, you know. And it's mad you just don't say things like that to your friends. Little poor little fucking Connells. We're all a bunch of little Connells. You know, we're little chains. Not saying the stuff to our mates, you know. It seems like if it's not funny 
or it's not ironic, then you can't dare tell your friend about it, even though you could have most supportive group in the in the world, like I did, my my friends. Yeah, but I felt bad, especially just talking to such a big game via text, you know. But I still haven't really, I still haven't. <laughs> there is such a difference with what you plan to do sometimes and what you actually do. I totally planned on holding her hand and kissing her neck, you know, and then the nerves get you and the nerves are excitement. And there's so many ways of best rerouting these feelings and these emotions and just knowing that there's a difference between pure fucking dread and, uh, and excitement, you know. And it comes, I try and retrain myself. And I actually try and, and, and look at people who I, I think, I was watching fucking, I started, cry, oh, I started crying, watching TikTok the other day. I was watching this guy overcoming his stammer by ordering food in a restaurant. And it was a compilation of every time he went to a restaurant to order food because he had a very bad stammer. And so he would look the person in the eye, tell them, and take a couple of breaks and a couple of breaths, but would tell them confidently, this is what he wants, this is what the steak he wants, this is how he wants it cooked, this is the sides he wants, this is the drink he wants. And I was sitting there fucking crying <laughs> at the bravery of this young fella, you know? We had this, and it's not the same, but we had this um, person who used to work with us in sales, and they um, she didn't have much experience in um in sales, but she was more a kind of learning and development person. But we brought brought her in to um, to help the salespeople improve and to listen to some of the calls and based on what we considered was a good call to kind of grade it off a certain thing. I mean, it's fucking awful. <laughs> it's, so, it's so annoying. It was so fucking frustrating for the salespeople. So she's coming into this environment as a small, you know, she was physically very small, <laughs> a short woman, and coming into this absolute, you know, and um, and and she had to come in and tell these salespeople who've been working twenty, you know, some of them ten years in sales, that they weren't doing a good job or that or that they had to improve. And she didn't have much sales experience. She was a learning development kind of experience. You know, she that was the world she was trying to navigate into. Um, but every single time she so every week we would we would have she would call out the people who had done particularly well. She didn't call out anyone who did particularly bad, but she would say these are some of the common things that we're hearing in the calls that need to be improved on. And she would get up every single week uh, and the first five minutes of this kind of 15-minute talk was her trying to find it, you know, talking through the nerves and you hear the nerves in her voice, you know. And at first, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, God, this is gonna, this is tough. It's tough, you know, you see someone be nervous. It's tough because it reminds you what it is to be nervous. And a lot of people, like in stand-up, a lot of people laugh when some when their mate is getting picked on by a comedian, I'm not much for crowd work myself. Um, but you know when when it happens, but a lot of people laugh, and a lot of the the, the energy, the laughter comes from I'm so fucking chuffed. That's not me right now. All the person did was say he lives in you know Cabra, and <laughs> your man's going going ham on him. You know, so a lot of people have the same sort of feeling, being like, oh, I can't. You know, I either I can't watch it or cringe, and they know because they know what that feeling is, and they feel that feeling again. But I think it was like the third or fourth week that she did it, and and her voice was still quivering. And I'm sure she would have loved that her voice didn't quiver, but it did. And I was like, that's so, that's so fucking brave. That's so brave to go up, to know that you don't want to do it, or to know that it's tough, to know that you're going to get the nerves, to not say anything about it, just get up, 
and do it and know that you're also people are going to hear your voice quiver because that's just it's a it's it's not entirely it just yeah i think you can totally retrain your brain to be like that's power that's fucking power right there and it's fucking brave that's braver than a lot of what a lot of people would do a lot of people would be like no what's how can i you know how the situations where your voice don't are don't break are the, are the situations you're not uncomfortable in so you're just staying comfortable if you're not in those situations and i'm not having to go with anyone not throwing themselves into situations where their voices break, you know. But you know, it's just you just when you're when you're a kid, you're just so you think you're gonna die. You think you're gonna die if you're ever in a situation like that, you know. And it's just fine. It's just fine. All it is is just air. All it is is just excitement. All it is is just you being uh, excited to do something that's a little bit different. And your framework for visualization is a little bit different because it's not exactly what you did yesterday or the day before. You know, you get up and fucking eat a baked potato, you know it's going to happen. You're not going to get nervous about it. You know, I had a baked potato. I had a baked potato. It was rotten. <laughs> it was rotten. I just, and, and having, you know, the, and the place being a mess and me eating a shitty potato and the fruit flies everywhere, it was not a good look. It was not a good look for me. You know, I didn't, it didn't cook enough. It didn't cook enough and it was a bit hard. I just don't know how you do those potatoes you get in like a good calf, you know, where it's all mushy in there. There's tuna, there's mayonnaise, there's like cheese in there, sweet corn. It's all going on in there. How do they do it? It's all good. And you finish it and you feel satiated. I'm eating this fucking brick, you know. Anyway, I don't even know where I started. Look, all I'm saying is I'm like the banks. I back brave. I see brave and I back it. We back brave. (laughs) Hmm. Sure. <laughs> I'm not having a go. I'm not having a go. But I mean, obviously, you're going to come out on top. You're obviously going to come out on top. Guys, what do we think of the old three throw Olympia? Three Olympia. Three Olympia. Three Olympia. It's the three Olympia, but three is in the same throw Olympia. Three is the the number three is in front of the Olympia now. Just three Olympia. Does it put a three in there? Like is a fucking droid. I always thought it'd be funny. Um, now, TV3 doesn't exist anymore, so this fucks it up. But if there was two Irish teledroids, uh, one called TV3PO and the other one called RTE2. <laughs> Which is just RTE2. But the way I said it, it's different. It's like, no, C3PO. Anyway, three Olympia. Three Olympia. Look, I don't know what happened to you. Everyone, everyone's saying it's the end of everything, right? But you just got to look. Do you realize you have a choice? You can say, if there's a fucking kid that I grew up with who used to be called Ronnie because his dad had a mustache, right? I think his name was Sean or something. I don't even remember the kid's name. He was called Ronnie. If a community can come together like that to call this young boy, a young boy, Ronnie, because his dad had a Ronnie, then, um, then surely, you know, we can still call it the Olympia. You can call it whatever you want, you know? You can call it the Point Depot, which I still do. Because I can't remember if it's the 3 Arena or if it's O2. I don't remember. So I call it the Point Depot, right? You can call it, you call it Lansdowne Road. The Aviva. You have a choice to call it whatever you want. You know? There's nicknames for stuff, you know? The Cop. You know? You can call it things whatever you want. You can call it and you ever, anything you want. No one's going to be called the Thra-Olympia. Thra-Olympia. You know? They're not going to happen. And look, they must have been, look, times are hard. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what happened there. I don't know what happened, but it obviously would have been tough 
for them to maintain as they were. I don't know who operates the uh, the Olympia MCD or something. I don't know. I don't know who operates it, but it must have been. Times are tough. So if they're getting a big cash injection, you know, they're not going to turn it into a big fucking number three. They're still going to have the, the balconies. Dustin's still going to do the panto, you know. So don't worry about it, guys. Everyone gets, you know, graph and quarter. Where'd that, where'd that go? That's gone. No, that's gone. People didn't take it. You have a choice. There's a thing called head cannon. And that is whatever you think is the reality is the reality. Now, it's mainly used for things like people not agreeing with, you know, the last Star Wars movie. So you like to live in a world where that didn't exist, right? Or, you know, the head cannon of, the, of Suicide Squad is that the first one didn't happen. You know, they did a reboot. You mean you can, so you can do whatever you want. You can decide at any point. Don't let some big business corpo tell you what you need to say. You can start calling it, you know, you can start calling it fucking, you can start calling it the gaiety too if you want. You can start calling it, you know, the kip beside Eddie Rockets. <laughs> you know, you can call it whatever you want. But I understand. I mean, it was the same. I was watching Reeling in the Years 2010 there last week, um, which wasn't on the RTE player, which wasn't, it's a show that was on about what? Six months ago, on RTE, it made up of archival footage that RTE own, right? So you don't have to worry about that. Maybe there might be some weirdness with the music rights or something like that, but just not on the player. Why? Why? Where is it? Where is it? Why isn't it all up there? It's literally the archival footage that was cut together. It was fucking... It should have been, apart from the fact that I hope you pay the... I hope the editors were paid handsomely. So I don't want to say it's the cheapest shit they could fucking make in RTE, right? I don't want to have it go. Hopefully the editors were paid handsomely because it was fantastic. It was a fantastically well-edited, well-paced, great choice of music, all the snippets that you need to know from the information, great choice of all the things that happened and everything, uh, you know, from the year. Um, But it, if it was just getting editors in to make it, it should have been the cheapest stuff because they had all the footage. So why isn't that on the player? Why isn't, where is it? I had to go on YouTube and watch an ad that someone else is getting paid for. You know what I mean? And I tell you, these unskippable ads on the RT player, like if if the people, I hope that the people who are booking that ad space are paying a fucking fortune for it because it's the most prime advertising unskippable ads. That's actually against EU law. It's against the law. YouTube had to change it because it's against the law, you know? So I hope that whoever's paying those fucking you know, car ads that you watch me, like, oh, how applicable to me, going to buy a new car. <laughs> Who the fuck's buying a car? Um, anyway, and who's buying a car based on seeing it in an ad? Who's going to be like, I saw this car in an ad and I went into a shop with all of my cash and I bought it. It's insane. Who are you talking to? You know? Anyway. So anyway, I, was watching, <laughs> I was watching the RT player. No, I wasn't. I wasn't watching the RT player. I was watching Reeling in the Years, not on the RT player, on YouTube. And it was it was talking about the... It was it referenced that it showed the bit in time where the Aviva was created and Lansdowne Road was no more. And it became the Aviva Stadium, you know. Um, and people were up in arms about it. People were fucking livid. Because it was an example of the sort of everything for sale capitalist... You know, that you'd see in America. I remember finding out that there was a team called the New York Red Bulls. Actually, I remember finding out that there was a Red Bull stadium and laughing my fucking ass off. Laughing my ass off. Being the way I was, that how far it goes. And then they found find out that there was actually a team called the New York Red Bulls. Laugh my ass off. Now they're a sensational squad. <laughs> they're in FIFA. It's not a thing, you know. 
And so that was the worry that, oh, well, well, if it starts off with the Aviva Stadium and then it's, you know, the Cheetos, you know, auditorium or whatever, the Bored Gosh Energy Theatre, which actually I still don't call the Grand Canal Theatre. The rest of them I still do. The rest of them I still call Lansdowne Road, the Aviva, and I still call it the Point, uh, the Three Arena, and I'll still call it the Olympia. For some reason, Bored Gosh just wasn't too familiar with the Grand Canal Theatre. But yeah, the old three, the old three, old three, old throw Olympia just a stone's throw Olympia from uh, the hustle and bustle of uh, Grafton Street <laughs> um, what else do I talk about Norm Macdonald's dead Norm Macdonald greatest comedian ever Norm Macdonald's dead and you know what I loved about Norm Macdonald there's a lot of things uh, comedians seem to like comedians who like to fuck with people you know like Greg Turkington Neil Hamburger He's a guy who, if it's if it's a successful set, half the people will have left because they just didn't get it. And Norm Macdonald was a kind of comedian's comedian as well. But he was just relentless and so sincere, but also not so insincere. The most original, one of the most original deliveries of any of any joke. Everything just seemed like it was just, I'm not even, I'm, not, I'm sad that he's gone, that he's dead. But it's the same kind of sadness that I had when Prince um, died. And it was kind of just felt like they were tired, you know, that we're not going to get any new Norm, any new Prince, you know. But like there's enough, like there's probably still enough of both. Um, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like they both just kind of felt like transcendent, like the, that's not not of this plane, you know. Just from a different plane, a plane, a, com- a completely different magical plane of maybe they're Palladians, you know, a completely different plane of consciousness. So I don't feel kind of feel sad. I kind of just feel like they've gone back to their planet, you know. As weird as that is to say, you know, David Bowie was like, is if ET was here and has gone back, and now it's sad. Now it's because I actually really want him still around because he's right in here in my heart, you know. But yeah, for some reason, same thing with Prince. Just the same kind of feeling, you know. I've always just gone back to his, you know, home world to to crack them up and come out with some funky jams. But I love Norm Macdonald. And I suppose he was a great example of like, I look I look up to Norm Macdonald because I, I tell a lot of bad jokes. I tell a lot of bad jokes. And he didn't even necessarily tell bad jokes, but he just told jokes that just wouldn't have been expected. They They were not cool. They never tried to be cool. I really like that about him. They never tried to be whatever was trendy. He didn't seem to kind of get what was going on. I also love that he would always talk about how he didn't like, you know, he would go on Bill Maher, you know, going to these political shows. And he was like, why am I being given equal time to like an economist? <laughs> you know, and they're asking me about the Chinese economy. And they cut to me first. And I'm like, ask this guy. Like, what are you asking me? You know? And he's like frustrated the fact that everyone seems to have an opinion. And he just was so pure with his love of just the joke and what the role of 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 making those of of being a comedian was, you know, and there was a lot of footage came out after he died, and a lot of the things that stood out was the the Bob Saget roast that he did, um, which got a lot of viral success anyway, because what he what he did if you hadn't seen it, and I highly recommend you check it out, is he basically just came out uh, after, and this is just just before the peak of these roasts where. It was deplorable. The stuff they would say was deplorable. It was mad. Like William Shatner, William Shatner's wife had drowned 
And William Shatner, every person, right, when he did his roast, right, William Shatner's wife had drowned a couple of weeks before. And that was one of the topics that the comedians couldn't talk about. And apparently they were up in arms. They were like, what? That's the goal? You know, I want to want, you know, they feel like there's no, there's no line, you know. And apparently, like, there is, like, a list of three things that every person in who does the roast, like, they did a Justin Bieber roast, think Rob Lowe had a roast and stuff. And there's, like, three things that you can say you don't want to be joked about, you know. And a lot of the time, people go on there and they say that they don't want anyone to joke about their kids, their wife or their family or if there was an illness or if maybe someone died or something like like, like William Shatner, if his wife had drowned, you know. And he had to use one of his slots to be like, please don't joke about that because he couldn't expect that the decency of people would be that they wouldn't joke about that. Um, and, and for the roast of Donald Trump, right, they asked him what his list was. And all he said was, just make sure no one jokes about me not having as much money as I have. It was like, don't, I don't want any jokes about me being broke. <laughs> He's just like, uh, like, they fucking laid into his wife. They laid into his kids. Like, he used up one of those slots to be like, I sure no one, no one says that I'm broke, you know. Um, so Norm MacDonald kind of didn't get the whole roast thing. But he was doing it for Bob Saget, and Bob Saget was a friend of his. So he comes out, and he starts telling these jokes. And he says in an interview with Mark Maron on WTF, which is a really good interview if you do like Norm MacDonald. He has some amazing stories about his amazing stories about Rodney Dangerfield as well. So if you like comedy, I'd highly recommend that. It was re-released after his, his passing uh, on Mark Maron's podcast feed. Anyway, um, so he um, like he comes out and he comes out with these really old. He says he he pu- pulled a lot of jokes from that his da- a book his dad had got him when he's, he told his dad he wanted to be a comedian. And these are jokes that you tell at when, uh, at someone's retirement party, right? If someone's retiring, these are the jokes you tell. And it was a bo- book from the 80s. So these are the jokes that you would tell people in their late 60s in the 80s. And these were the jokes he's coming out on primetime comedy, <laughs> comedy central after people are saying the most fucked up shit about him, like, you know, molesting the Olsen twins when he worked with them, Bob Saget, about him, you know, being a sex pest him being a pedophile, him, you know, being a drug addict, you know, coming out with everything. And he just comes out and he's like, you know, Bob, you're a hairy guy. And that's not your only resemblance to Rin Tin Tin. <laughs> like the fucking dog from black and white movies. He says to Gilbert Gottfried, uh, who had some deplorable humor earlier on the thing, he says, um, <laughs> he says, Gilbert, Gilbert Gottfried is here. Uh, Gilbert, uh, when you're going to the uh, the toilets later on, um, you'll find that there's a door that has the word gentleman written on it. Uh, pay no heed. Go right in. <laughs> Just... This incredibly verbose way of saying just you're not a gentleman. He says Cloris Leachman, old, like, uh, you know, elderly, you know, uh, legend of, of, of TV. And he's like, Cloris, uh, people say that you're over the hill, not in the car you drive. <laughs> you know? And I've told it on the pod before. He had this joke that he tells that just cracks me up. There's some fantastic compilations of his. Um, he had a joke where he says... Uh, he has these sunglasses on and he's like, you know, dogs are always running to the door when they hear the bell. And it's often not for them. <laughs> and just for whatever reason, even though it's seldom for them, he'll be very missed. Um, right. A bit of 
thing to close it out. It's not the least sexy way to fucking close out a podcast, but I have to bring this up. If you had tickets for Pure Gras, that was the old tour, right? If you had tickets for Pure Gras and it was a gig that didn't happen, that would be um, Sugar Club shows. That would be uh, the Dreoct in Blanche, which I think was cancelled and hopefully refunded. Um, the venue in Ratoth, right? I'm thinking, is there anything else there? Um, if there's an, there might be another one. If you had tickets for that and it was cancelled, I need you to get on to the venue and get your refund. You, I mean, I, I don't know why that's the case. I feel like if it's not going on, I, this should just be reimbursed and everyone should just be reimbursed. But that's not the case. You have to get onto the venue and you have to say you had tickets, it's cancelled, and get your refund. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why that's the case, but that is the case, and I'm sorry about that. Um, there are going to be other gigs coming up. There is a gig in Cork in Cypress Avenue. Come back to Cypress Avenue. I've been back in a year and a half. Uh, that was one of the last gigs I did before the pandemic and I'm excited to go back that's going to be the 9th of October I believe tickets are still on sale for that but they're very limited and they're flying uh, which is good for me <laughs> uh, and of course it's Vicker Street that's going to be the 16th of October that's with Peter McGann that is with Hannah Mamelis that is with MC Kevin McGarren that's going to be a very fun night now it is sold out but if you have tickets I'll see you there it should be a good laugh um, there are going to be other Dublin gigs announced shortly and one of the perks of being a subscriber and actually there's going to be a whole Irish tour announced shortly and one of the perks of being a subscriber to Patreon is you're going to get first dibs people got first dibs for the um, the Cork show um, and the podcast I did in Kilkenny Cat Laughs there was an early bird tickets there as well because the Vicar Street thing is separate that's separate but for all the gigs that I'm putting on in future there's going to be a full one day window for Patreon subscribers to get tickets before anyone else so that is one of the perks as well as four podcasts extra a week if you just want to cut down on spending one pint a month and if you're willing to re-navigate those funds to me for that price of that pint you get four podcasts uh, extra every single month did a podcast there on the Rose of Tralee where I acted like what it would be like if I was to enter the Rose of Tralee and what I would have to go the hoops I would have to jump through what my talents would be what's it like being an escort I also did as I mentioned um, Reading in the Years 2010 where I talked about um, I talked about the year 2010 and upcoming I may as well tell you now I'm going to be doing the Star Wars Star Wars movie bake I think I think I'm going to watch the sequels the JJ sequels and I'm going to do movie bakes on them and then in a couple of months time I'm going to do the original I still haven't figured out which one I'm going to do but Star Wars is coming back I'm going to do the trilogies on movie bakes coming up shortly over there on the Patreon exclusive to patrons um, and listen thank you very much for listening thank you very much for supporting and um, I love you and guys they love you all the best bye bye it's only get well, shit show